Good morning. It's a joy to be with you this morning, to be here to share with you from God's Word. This morning we are going to turn our attention to Psalm 111. Psalm 111 as we focus this morning on the thought of the idea of thanksgiving. Would you hear as I read to us now verses 1 through 10 of Psalm 111. The psalmist, under the inspiration of God's Holy Spirit, writes these words, Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart, in the company of the upright, in the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Full of splendor and majesty is His work, and His righteousness endures forever. He has caused His wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear Him. He remembers His covenant forever. He has shown His people the power of His works in giving them the inheritance of the nations. The works of His hands are faithful and just. All His precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. He sent redemption to His people. He has commanded His covenant forever. Holy and awesome is His name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. Thus ends the reading of God's holy word. Would you join me as we ask for God's blessings upon our time together in His word this morning. Let's pray together. Our God and Father, we come before you again today. And thank you that we are able not only to join together to worship you, But, Father, as part of that worship that we are able to turn our attention to Your Word. I pray that You would give us not only eyes to see and ears to hear, but, Father, would You give us a mind to be able to comprehend and a heart willing to receive the truth of Your Word today. That we might be challenged, Father, that we might be changed by Your Word through Your Holy Spirit as we hear it proclaimed today. Do this work, Father, We pray among us for our good and for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we do every year in November around this time, this week we're going to celebrate Thanksgiving on Thursday. Now, I don't know about you, and I'm a pastor, and maybe I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to. One of the things that I look forward to on Thanksgiving is the food. And I just recently have begun smoking things, and so again this year I'm going to smoke the turkey for our Thanksgiving. But you see, Thanksgiving is so much more than that. We think about Thanksgiving, and it's a date on our calendar. It's a date that the world tends to overlook. Society tends to overlook. How many things do you see that's sold to celebrate Thanksgiving? My goodness, in stores we go directly from Halloween costumes to Christmas trees. We don't take time to be thankful. 
We don't take time to stop and think what it means to be thankful. And you see, we need, as God's people in particular, we need to stop and take time to give God thanks for what He has done in our lives, for what He is doing in our lives, and for what He will continue to do in our lives and in His church until Jesus Christ returns. Thanksgiving should be a daily part of our lives, not just a day that we celebrate in November. God has has blessed us in so many ways. I could stand here before you and I could recount a number of blessings that God in this last year that God has given to me, that He's given to our family. And I'm sure that most of you would say the same. doesn't mean that all of life has been wonderful and that it hasn't been without its challenges, but in the midst of those challenges, there are God's blessings along the way. And we need to be challenged to stop And think about the blessings of God. And the psalmist in this psalm, in Psalm 111, gives us several reasons for why, if we need help in considering why we need to give thanks to God. The psalmist in writing this psalm gives us several reasons that we're going to look at this morning. The psalms are a a collection of, of works by different authors, but... They, they have an abiding value for the church of Jesus Christ. You know, I, I know uh, some pastors who think that we need to focus just on the New Testament, that the Old Testament was for a different time. But you see, I believe we lose so much, so much understanding of God's mercy and His grace and His love and His blessings if we tend to overlook the Old Testament. Uh, particularly the Psalms, because the Psalms give us words of praise for God and in all of the things that He's done. And many of the Psalms of King David count, uh, recount God's faithfulness and His mercy in times of trial and in times of trouble. And so I would suggest that, that the Psalms and the rest of the Old Testament is so Uh, much worth our time to take it, to study it, and so forth. But we're going to look again at the reasons that the psalmist gives us for why we should give thanksgiving and praise to God. He begins in verse 1 by saying, Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright in the congregation. What the psalmist is doing here is, is, is he's shouting out, if you will. He's shouting, praise God. Praise to the Lord. Praise to the Lord God Almighty. He wants us to be quick to give praise to God as a means of worshiping Him for what He's done. Let me ask you something. Do you, when God answers a prayer, when God does something that 
that, that is wonderful in your life, are you quick to give Him thanks? Are you quick to say, Lord, thank You for what You've done? I would suggest that probably most of us are that way. But when we go through times of trial, when we go through difficulties, are we quick to give thanks to God? You know, last year, I went through one of the most difficult times in my life. Because last year on October 5th, I suffered a mild stroke. And that was a challenge for me. I'm a preacher. I like to talk. All right? <laughs> and I struggled with that. In fact, I had my stroke on October 5th, so I preached, the last Sunday I preached was October 3rd. I didn't go back to preaching again until the Sunday before Christmas because I couldn't speak. And then when I could speak, it was very slow and it was very difficult. I wouldn't have wanted to sit and listen to me preach. Okay? And so I didn't go back until until the Sunday before Christmas. There was a period, and I've done this, I've been pastoring preaching for 30 years, and there was a period in my life when I wondered if I would even be able to preach again. In fact, one of the men who came and, and filled in for me during that time when I talked to him on the phone, uh, my speech was, was really bad. And when he came to preach for me to fill the pulpit, I was able to do at least the announcements and so forth to open the service. And he looked at me and he said, you know, when I talked to you on the phone, he said, I had doubts that you would ever preach again. That's hard. It's hard to give God thanks when you're in that situation. But you know what? You know what the Bible, te- the Bible tells me? that even in the midst of the difficulties, God is there. And because God is there, I need to give Him thanks. And I need to give Him praise. Because even in the struggles, He has a purpose. And He has a reason. We need to shout out praise to God and to worship Him. Because He alone is worthy of our praise, because isn't it true that when we go through times of difficulty, and when we go through times of challenge, as well as when we have times of joy and peace, God is the only one there is. He is the only one who has the power to act. He has the only. He is the only one that has the power to intervene, to provide. God alone is the one who is always faithful. And who who will never, ever let us down. He is the only one who deserves our praise. And the psalmist says this is to take place in the company of the upright. When, when, When people gather together in conversation, our conversation should always bring praise and glory to God. You know, sometimes there are those who were, are quick in the congregation of God's people, in the gathering of God's people on Sunday morning. They speak well of God and they, 
praise God then. But when they're in conversation through the rest of the week, their speech may not be as edifying or uplifting or glorifying to the Lord. But the psalmist says that our, our, uh, <clears throat> our speech should be upright in the congregation of the people of God. And I would suggest in every conversation that we have, we should look to bring praise and glory to God. We should recount His blessings to us. Tell people what God has done for you. Don't be ashamed. Don't be shy to say, let me tell you what my God has done. Let me tell you about the God that I serve and the God that I believe in. And let me tell you what He's done for me. Be quick to share those things with those around you. Even if they're unbelievers, tell them. Let them hear about the goodness of the God that you believe in. It should be done, the psalmist says, in the assembly. The focus of our worship is to praise God and to glorify God. Our worship service is not meant to make us feel good. We don't gather together to see how the preacher's going to bless me or how the music's going to bless me or whatever it is. But God is the one who is to be blessed and praised in our time of worship. God is the audience, if you will. We are the participants. We are serving God when we come together for worship. And it should always be a time of praise together as God's people to bring, again, glory to Him. The goal of the assembly of God whenever we meet together is to glorify God through praise and through worship. And we need to keep that continually in our minds. How often do we stop just to, to praise God, just to, to take time to, to, to speak of the things that God has done? Do you ever stop, even personally in your own life or during the day, do you ever stop just to recount the blessings of God in your life? Have you ever been moved to a point of just giving praise. Not asking God for anything, but just giving Him praise. That's what we are called to do as the people of God, is to continually praise the God who loves us, the God who has redeemed us, the God who provides so greatly for us. No, He may not give us everything we want. But then again, He's not a celestial Santa Claus who sits up in heaven waiting to give us our every desire. But He does promise to give us our every need. He does promise to give us what we need in life and for daily provision. It may not always be what we want or what we expect, but when we know that it is from God, we can count it as a blessing. There are several reasons that the 
the psalmist gives here in in the rest of the psalm in verses 2 through 10 as to why we should praise the Lord. He begins by saying, great are the works of the Lord. The works of, of God that are studied by all men who are, are delighted in by all who study them. You see, God is, is a God. Think of this. God is a God who never makes a mistake. He never makes a mistake. All of His ways are right. Everything God does, His works, the psalmist says, are great. His works bring Him glory. I, you know, I believe that we live, and we live in Cherokee, and you all live here, but we're surrounded by the beauty of God's creation. We live, I believe, in one of the most beautiful parts of God's creation on earth. Even driving up this morning as as uh, once we left Marion, uh, my wife was driving, so I had a chance. To, she didn't like me to. Sorry about that. Um, she doesn't like me to look around while I'm driving. She gets a little nervous on the mountain roads if I do too much sightseeing. So she was driving. I was looking. The icicles hanging on the side of the mountain this morning. I think that's beautiful. The the works of God's creation. It declares His glory. It declares His greatness. And it declares His power. Do we stop to take time to take that in and to think about all of God's works and all of the things that He has given to us to enjoy? God's works are, are majestic and splendid. He says in, the psalmist says in verse 3, Full of splendor and majesty is His works, and His righteousness endures forever. God's works, the psalmist, uh, other psalms, uh, describe God's works as being majestic. In Psalm 8, in verse 1, the psalmist writes, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is Your name in all the earth. In Psalm 96, Splendor and majesty are before Him. Strength and beauty are in His sanctuary. Psalm 104 verse 1 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord my God, You are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty. Dear ones, the works of God are majestic and glorious and splendid, and we need to take time to find delight in them. You know, uh, I was asked this morning, with living in Cherokee, do I fish? Well, sadly, I like to fish, but I haven't taken time to fish. And I would suggest to you, and my wife has even told me this, you stay too busy you need to slow down and take time to look around. Take time to do things. And I would say to take time and enjoy the splendor of God's creation. 
to be able to stand in awe of what God has given us, of all that He has provided in the glory of His creation. In Cherokee, we have the elk. I don't know if you all have elk up here, if they've come this far, if they'll make it this far. But those are majestic creatures. And to hear them during certain seasons, to hear the, the bulls bugle and, and, and give out their call, to me is just awe-inspiring. God's creation should inspire us with awe and cause us to stand in awe of Him. God's righteousness, the psalmist says, endures forever. Think about that for just a moment. God's righteousness endures forever. You see, as Christians, we serve the one, the only one, living and true God. He is a God who has always been. He is now and He will forever be and He will never change. His righteousness, the psalmist says, endures forever. It will never be changed. And He will always be the righteous judge over His creation. One of the things that I love about the God that I serve is that He's never going to be wishy-washy. What He says, He says. And what He says, He stands by. And He is the same yesterday, today, and will be the same forever. He's not going to say tomorrow, well, you know, I've rethought that and I really think that was a bad decision. We can trust God. We can trust Him. If He's promised it, He will do it. If He says it, it will stand for eternity. And it will never change. For that we should be thankful. And we should give God praise. The psalmist goes on to say that He has caused His wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear Him. He remembers His covenant forever. God is a a gracious and compassionate God. Paul reminds us that we're not saved by our works we were reminded this morning in Sunday school that we're, we're, not rema- uh, we're not redeemed because of what we do or who we are. Abraham was not redeemed because of the great man he was. My goodness, he passed his wife off twice as his sister to save his own skin. We are saved because of God's grace. He is a gracious God. And He is a compassionate God. Certainly He is a God of justice and a God of judgment. But to those whom He loves, to those who are His, He is a compassionate God. And He is a gracious God. And it is because, again, He is a God of grace that we have salvation. 
And he has greatly shown his graciousness to his people. He's a God of great love. And uh, it is a love that was uh, demonstrated so tremendously by the sending of his son, Jesus Christ, into the world who would pay the penalty for those who would come to him who are his in repentance and faith. He is not a creator who is indifferent to his creation. It is such a blessing to know that God did not just create everything that is and then just sits back in heaven waiting to see how things will turn out. But He is a God who is daily active in the work of creation and in the lives of His people and in all that He created. God is compassionate and that compassion or the depth of that compassion will never be fully known or understood by those of us who receive that compassion and that grace and that mercy. He is a God who gives food to those who fear Him. You see, it is from the God of heaven that your sustenance for life comes. And He is the same one who meets the needs, every need that you have. And it is because of God that there is bread and there is food on the table. And as we celebrate Thanksgiving this week, as you gather together with family and friends around a table that will no doubt be spread with all kinds of wonderful foods, we need to remember to give God thanks for that blessing. You know, the last church that I pastored prior to coming to Cherokee was a church that had a lot of farmers in it. And one of the farmers, they were uh, a dairyman. They had a huge dairy, but they grew a lot of their own crops, their own silage and different things to, to feed their dairy cows. And this gentleman, we were riding around one night. We had uh, gone and had dinner, and we were riding around. He was showing me some of his fields and and we got to talking about his crops. And I asked him about the crops and how much it took. And he gave me a dollar amount of how much they spent just on seed every year. And I said, that's amazing. I said, if I were to spend that much money on anything, I wouldn't be able to sleep at night. And he said, but you know, all we can do is put the seed in the ground. God does the rest. And if He blesses us with a good crop, He blesses us with a good crop. And if we have a bad crop, we have a bad crop. But it all is done by God. You see, God provides us with everything that we have, with everything that we need. He always gives us bountifully and by His grace. The psalmist goes on to say, He has shown His people the power of His works in giving them the inheritance of the nations. The works of His hands are faithful and just. All His precepts are trustworthy. You see, God has made His power known. And He has made His power 
available to his people. God provides the strength that we need to follow him. And God alone gives the power to overcome evil. It is not merely an issue of mind over matter. You see, as we do battle every day in this world, the Apostle Paul reminds us that our battle is not against flesh and blood. But it's against spiritual power. It's against the forces of evil in this world. We are no match for them. We are no, we have no strength to stand on our own against the, the evil that we face in this world. But you see, the God that we serve gives us the power to stand. And He gives us the ability to overcome. He is a great and marvelous God by giving us All that we need. The psalmist says that he, excuse me, that uh, he has shown his people the power of his works and in giving them the inheritance of the nations, the works of his hands are faithful and just and his precepts are trustworthy. God gives us, again, What we need and what He has decreed shall come to pass. And His plans will never be thwarted or stopped. I want you to think about the society that we live in today. What is the view of society toward the church? Society says the church is outdated because we read a book that's outdated. It's obsolete. The church is old-fashioned and it's stifling and it keeps us from becoming who we truly are meant to be. As much as I cringe when I hear those things, it's verses like this that reminds us that the precepts of God are trustworthy and there is no one. Listen. There is no person, there is no government on the face of this earth that can undo the plans of an almighty God. And His plan will be accomplished. And the church, listen, the church, if we remain faithful, And to His Word, the church will be triumphant. We simply need to trust the Word of God and trust that He knows what He's doing. Even though we may not be able to see it and we may not understand it, And it grieves my heart when I read things that are happening in society. But God is still on the throne. And He will remain there for eternity. Amen? That's the kind of God that we serve. And for that, He deserves praise.
The works of his hands are faithful and just. His precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. He, uh, the psalmist says in verse 9, sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. Again, our salvation is not by our own work but it is by the hand of God Almighty. He is the one who has redeemed His people. He is the one who calls a people to Himself. You see, it wasn't Abraham who woke up one morning and said, gee, I think there's a better God out there to serve than what I'm serving. I think He's the one I want to follow today. He didn't do that. God said, Abraham, I want you to trust me. And I want you to go to a land that you don't know anything about. I want you to leave your people, your family, your kinsmen behind. And I want, to ta- I want you to take your family, take all of your possessions, and I want you to go someplace. I'm not going to tell you where, but I want you to trust me. I want you to follow me. And God promised to bless him. And Abraham was faithful. Not because Abraham chose to do it, but because God called him and chose him as a matter of grace and mercy. The same is true of us today. Listen, when I got saved, I was an 18-year-old who back at that time you could buy alcohol at 18 and I was living a life. Or at least so I thought. It wasn't me who went looking for God. It was God who called me and saved me. And I am so thankful that He did. That's what He does for every one of us. It is God who gives redemption to His people. The psalmist in verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. You see, we can be book-wise, and there's nothing wrong with being book-wise. My wife will tell you I love to study. I love books. And I prefer the ones that still have pages in them. Although I do have some electronically. We can gain a great deal of worldly wisdom or knowledge from books and things like that. But you see, godly wisdom comes from studying God's Word. The Bible should be our first book. It should be the place that we go to for wisdom and understanding. You see, godly wisdom and studying God's Word, it's when we learn to revere God, we learn about His commandments for our lives. It is only by studying the Word of God that we understand what God expects of us as followers of His. 
And it's only as we go to His Word and God uses the Word to to teach us and to show us of our sin. If it were not for the Word of God and, and the truth of the Gospel that's proclaimed in the Scripture, we wouldn't know that we're sinners. God's Word is invaluable. And it should be the first thing that we study, the first thing that we desire to know. And as we grow, as we learn more and we live out the commands of God, we begin to understand more and more about God. The Bible is one of the greatest treasures that God has given us. And yet, it's one that we so often neglect when it should be first source that we go to. You see, there are many other reasons that we could give for giving God praise. But the psalmist gives us these in these ten verses of Psalm 111. Take time. Not just on Thursday. Take time to stop and consider the blessings of God in your life. Take time even to give Him praise that He's giving you strength to endure the challenges that you face. To give Him praise for His goodness and His mercy and His grace. Thank Him for your salvation. Thank Him for the Lord Jesus Christ who willingly came to give His life on the cross of Calvary. To live a sinless life. And to be one who would pay a penalty for sin He did not commit. To take away a debt that we could not pay. As you prepare to celebrate Thanksgiving this week, think about and meditate on all of the blessings that God has blessed you with this year. Recall the blessings of this past year and and take time to praise God and thank Him for all that He has done for you. And give Him thanksgiving and praise as well for giving you strength to endure the challenges that you've encountered, but that He has been faithful to carry you through. May this season of thanksgiving, may this time of thanksgiving truly be one that would cause us to turn our hearts and our minds to the God who loves us so greatly and has redeemed us as an act of mercy and grace. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You that there You are so praiseworthy, Father. That there is so much that, that we can praise You for and we often fall so short. I pray that, Father, we would use these verses as well as others. There are so many in Scripture that remind us of the things that we have to be thankful for. That as we enter into this holiday season, this season of thanksgiving, that we would truly count our blessings. That we would give you praise 
for the God that you are, for all that you've done, for all that you are doing, and Father, for all that you will continue to do in our lives as we continue to serve you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.